Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hello, I'm Johnny Owen, and this is the Best 11 podcast from TalkSport. Mark Webster and I ask our guests 11 questions all about their love of football, from their earliest memories of the game to how their matchday rituals have changed over the years. And at the end, they'll tell us their best 11, a team made up of anyone who's ever played for their club, along with a manager of their choice. Will they force players from a different era into a 4-3-3, or will they keep it simple with a 4-4-2? We'll find out very shortly. Our guest today is one of my favourite actors and comedians. His CV includes the fantastic spaced and glorious films such as Kill List and A Field in England. It is, of course, the brilliant Michael Smiley. Michael, welcome to your best 11. Can you start by telling us who you support and why? I support Manchester United and I support them um, easily just because of George Best. You know what I mean? I'm over 50. He's um, he's the main icon. Um, but also because I used to share a room with my big brother, who's uh, eight years older than me. And he had the European Cup winning team framed above his bed. And he also had a big stick and he used to hit me with the stick <laughs> and, and point at various players and I used to have to name them, you know. And I tell you, it still it still freaks me out, you know. I bet you could still <laughs> name that team as well. Yeah. Yeah. You just said David Sadler and I flinch, you know. He's um, <laughs> the she's like a variation on the strict Catholic upbringing story isn't yeah. it in which it, it wasn't a nun it's your older brother and it was <laughs> pointing at footballers <laughs> yeah but then here's the there's a spin-off to this story so i was then a man united supporter and i was you know i, I was born in 63 so when i was nine or ten we got relegated we were yeah. it was all that sort of what is being replicated now in a way all that sort of post busby and the old team um, disintegrating and these new boys coming in it weren't quite good enough and all of that, and that's what I inherited. And my brother promptly left and started supporting Liverpool. And no. uh, then became a Liverpool supporter and then left and went to England. I went to the Leeds area and became a frigging Leeds supporter. And I was stuck as a Man United supporter because there's something in my DNA that is loyal, you know? I think <laughs> you dug in. That's Northern the thing Irish, back in it, yeah, Northern yeah. Tend to, the Northern Irish tend to use the word loyal a lot. But, um, <laughs> but you know, for me, you know... Um, Man United's always been my team, so I've seen them through those. What we're going through now is just exactly like, uh, like it was when I was a kid. You know, Do you know it's a funny thing, Michael? You're in very good company because we found out, me and Mark, a few months back that David Bowie was a lifelong Manchester United fan yeah. because of George Best. Yeah, there you go. You know, the most beautiful um, footballer on the pitch, the most beautiful looking man in the world. You know what I mean? Like there's, there's classic photographs of Steve McQueen and Paul Newman and George Best, and you go, like, if you could have, if you could do a Wurzel Gummidge and have a head transplant, which one would it be? And for me, it would be, it would be George Best every time. He was a, a very handsome man, no two ways about it. Could you tell us your early, earliest memories of football, Michael? Um, I'd say my first proper memory um, was the 70 World Cup. Yeah. Um, I was a kid, I was a, a young kid, but there was, I lived in a housing estate, and in our housing estate, there was a family that lived around the corner who, the dad was a performer. He used to go away to Spain and perform, you know. Um, and so they had a bit of money and he was always bringing stuff back. So he brought, but he had a colour TV. Mm. And we went and watched the colour, we went and watched the World Cup in their living room through the summer. And just that um, Brazilian team and just the vibrancy, you know, the contrast was turned right up. The colour was turned right up, you know. And that yellows and blues, especially that classic match, you know, with the best ever goal, 
yes. uh, Carlos Alberto goal, that um, Italian um, uh, uh, Brazil match, just the greatest, you know. And that was just that just blew me away. And you know, then it was then it was obviously sort of on the ball with Bra- with Brian Moore and stuff like that, you know. Um, but yeah, the World Cup would be my first memory. Do you know what? It's, it's coincidence, but it's so important. Is that and because it was Mexico, that point you make about the brightness of it. We, yeah. We've never seen sunshine like that, have we? Never. <laughs> On this never. side of the water, it's it, it was it was it was another world, wasn't it? Well, it was it was like when you went to the cinema and you yeah. seen you know uh, American movies. They all just seemed like of made of colours that we dreamt of. Yeah. You know, I lived I lived in a world of everything was grey and folded <laughs> up, and the only you know um, the only other colours you would see on the streets would be camouflage, you know. Uh, so. Do you remember, I mean, I, you could tell us what it was like sort of growing up in Northern Ireland at that time and, uh, you know, was there football to go and see? What was the first football match you actually physically could go to, Mike? Michael? Well, the, there was teams in Belfast, you know, uh, but again, you know, Belfast being quite tribal. So the closest team to me was Glen Torren. And um, I went to a couple of Glen Torren matches, but I, I was never a fan. And then there was... Then there was Linfield, and then there was Cliftonville. Cliftonville was probably the most, the, the the nationalist team, the Catholic team, but they were the other side of town from me. I was East Belfast, Hollywood way, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so the first physical match I went to, I had family in Yorkshire. My brother lived over there, and my granny, and I went with, I got dragged by them um, to a match in the late seventies, and it was Leeds versus Everton at right. Ellen Road. Brian Flynn. Yeah. I remember Brian Flynn just run that match. He was a wee jinky player, wee Welsh jinky player. And um, he was just brilliant. So that was what I remember. That was my first match I went to. The first Man United match I went to live was um, later. It was 84, 85. And it was at Arsenal. We went to, I went to Highbury with my best mate, Eugene. And we went to see United versus Arsenal. And it was... Uh, a, a great side. We had a great side in those days, and we won one nil. Norman Whiteside came off the bench and scored. And what I remember about that was we had a wee jinky, another wee jinky winger called Jasper Olsen. Yes, yes. And um, I think somebody like David O'Leary put him up in the air, took his two legs from underneath him. And next bit, David O'Leary, O'Leary went up in the air, and he stood up and turned round, and Whiteside was just looking straight into his face. <laughs> And it was that we needed that sort of player in United in those days. We were just sort of getting a wee bit of steel back after the Tommy Doherty, you know, flight of fancy boys. But mm. we had um, we had Whiteside and we had uh, Mark Hughes in those days and we had uh, Kevin Moran. And that was the year that Kevin Moran, we beat Everton and, and Kevin Moran got sent off. First player to get sent I, off I, in an FA Cup final. And Norman Whiteside and scores the winner. Yeah. And I, and I kicked my TV in. Did you? Um, yeah. Actually, tell I us about sit, it. Sit, I was sitting watching it in my wee flat on my own in, uh, over in Leighton and at one of those old TVs, second-hand colour TVs, and I'm sitting in front of a six-pack of Guinness and getting really agitated. Kevin Moran's been sent off and then Whiteside breaks down the right wing and he does that beautiful, I want to call it Carlos Alberto, out of the right-hand side, out of the, outside of his right foot, into the top corner and yeah. it was just, I just stood up and screamed and kicked out, and the TV fell back and smashed. Oh Smoke came out of it. I grabbed a drink, ran next door to the TV Irish pensioners that lived next door, knocked their door. They came out, pushed them out of the way, turned their TV over. <laughs> that was the rest of the match. Gives them a can of Guinness, went fast, thanks very much, and then left. Just left the last thing that television saw was Norman White's But, you, but you know, it's, yeah. it's, it's really interesting yeah. you should say that, Michael, because. Wembley was always famous for being such a big pitch and draining players' energy. Uh, and nobody had ever been sent off in a cup final before. And when he was sent off, everybody kind of unhevered them and had a great team. And everybody was a bit like, well, that's it now for United. You know, they could lose this 2 or 3 nil. So for them to hold on in that goal was, was a phenomenal achievement for that team, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, and I, my heart broke for um, Kevin Moran because, you know, it was a terrible challenge. But the idea that he got to walk up and then they sort of dangled the medal and then didn't give him the medal. Oh. Oh, when they had to go all up the stairs, I just thought, oh, you just the pettiness of the FA sometimes could just of the football authorities just go, oh, sort off, man. Yeah, but yeah. 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 Do you remember as well? Do you remember as well? I mean, if you listen to this, listeners, uh, and you're young, watch it on YouTube. He was so he was heartbroken that he almost was saying he to the referee, crying. "You can't send me off." Yeah, crying wasn't he? Because he yeah. knew he was the first person to be sent off in an FA, and the FA Cup final was, was so huge then, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah, and he said he was a lovely big man, Kevin Moran. I remember him coming over. I remember us signing him. 
and I think he was a GAA player before. He, he was, played for Dublin, I think, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. And he, uh, and he came over and he was just one of those, you know, and we also, you know, we had some great, like those are the days when Remy Moses came in and stuff like that. I, I just, I love those days of United, you know. They yeah. were, the mid eighties. We would just get a wee player every now and again just to keep your hopes up, you know. <laughs> Brian Robson, yeah. But when he came in, he was uh, Captain Marvelous was, was fantastic for United. Yeah. And and of course and, and let's forget Whiteside for his country. And of course he was a boy genius. He was, he was, he was seventeen, yeah. he was a man, wasn't he? But was a, an enormous yeah. boy genius, yeah. by the way. But with yeah. can I just uh, our next question is favourite player as a kid. Uh, I think you may have kind of touched on that earlier, but can I ask about George Best and, and when you're um, and the following of him when he leaves the country and goes abroad. Did everyone kind of just sort of want to know what he was up to and support him? Yeah, well, there was a thing. With, the thing with Best is um, Northern Ireland is very is quite like other English speaking places where they have that tall poppy thing, you know. And we, they loved him, but they didn't love his antics. You know what I mean? And they were jealous of him. And he was, he was a beautiful man, and he had to, he had a disease of alcoholism. So when he left United. It, you know, and then went off, and he was like that sort of the prodigal son of God. What's he up to now? God, look yeah, at George, look right. at Jordy, God, Jesus. And that sort of conversation in the pub where he was wasting his talent and he was a sat in the other. And, and everybody was so sort of disappointed but fascinated at the same time, you know. And, you know, he was an anomaly, you know. No, there's not as you don't get many good looking people in Northern Ireland like that. You know what I mean? <laughs> this is the Best 11 podcast from Talk Sport. What were your matchday rituals when you first started going to football? Because I didn't go to see United at Old Trafford because it was too far away, and I lived in London. I was homeless and skint at the time, you know. And then I was right. Then I was a father with with kids, so it wasn't like I would I would travel up the Old Trafford as a fan. I'd, you know, life had taken over. I had to get on with my life, you know, and had responsibilities and stuff. So would, the chances I would take would be if they came down to um, London. And I would go and see them at um, Arsenal or QPR. Um, and nowadays, I, yet again, I would if I get a chance to go to Old Trafford, it'll be I'll go and see my mate Matt, who lives up there. He'll sort out some tickets, um, and we'll go along and sort of hustle in. And we'd walk from his house. He lives like about twenty minutes away, and you'd walk towards Old Trafford and then just see the lights and. You know, it was like um, close encounters, you know, at night time. <laughs> yes, yeah, it's true, isn't it? Yeah, it's yeah. like that, isn't it? You, you turn the corner and there's the stadium sort of glowing in the distance and all these supporters walking towards it and then the smell of um, terrible sausages and, and burnt uh, burnt uh, onions and stuff, you know. And just getting up there was just exciting. Will we get in? Will we get in? Will we get in? You know? Yeah. Uh, yeah, so th- as far as rat- match day rituals, you know, they're very few and far between for me. But also to go back to the original, the other question, you say my favourite player as a kid was obviously best, but in my time of following United as a teenager onwards, it was Macari. I loved Lou Macari. Yeah, skipped him a loo. Because he would always get you a goal. We would always be, it would be like 90th minute, We were, it was one all, and he would skid in on his arse and just do six studs into the bottom left-hand corner. And... You know, I loved him. He was a great player for us. Michael, I was going to ask you about. I mean, we had a chat a few years back. It was a lovely conversation. And you, your boy was was a Man United fan. I, you know, I hope he still is. I hope he's inherited his father's loyalty. Oh, yeah. um, but and you have, I remember you said it was a great way because he was he was. I think he was young, and you he, he talked. You would ask him about the you know the formations and tactics, and you have a chat. And it was a really it was really, really uh, resonated with me because it was just the way that you have football has of the pair of you bonding over over football at Manchester United. Yeah, well, I've got. Um... My younger son now, who's like 14, 15. So it's really interesting looking at him. He'll be 15 next week, actually. Um, looking at him when he was, when I was his age, and looking at the lineups, and I'd go, this is what the team was like when I was your age. You know, this is what we were going through emotionally. This is what the, the political status was at that, the state was at that time. And But he's like, he's of the FIFA generation. So, you know, he could tell me, who the second left back is for um, RP right Leipzig or whatever. You know, <laughs> I know what you yeah. mean. Yes, and, you know, and I would say, look, United are looking at this player. I'm reading on the um, the gossip columns. Look at this player. What are you reckoning? Well, he's all right, but I would. He mean, well, if you could bring some player in, who would it be? If we couldn't get Sancho, who would it be? You know, and he would give me a list of these players. You know, and I love it. And also that thing where he just, you know, he will. It's all formations. Yes. You know, so like, you know. Um, so what's what's your favorite formation? And he quite he likes you know, he just goes into it, and I've lost him. You know, he just goes into one of them. 
he plays he plays football and he's captain of his team and he's been with this team called Carp DM since he was like seven, you know. And they were they played down the cup last week, way down in Bromley, um, South London, and he's he played down in Bromley there and just he got a free kick just over the halfway line and he stood exactly the way that Ronaldo stands. Oh, great. Squared up to the Brilliant. ball. Brilliant. Good lad. Yeah, and I'm just going, he's going to do a knuckleball. And it yeah. was like, it was it was 3-2 to them. And it was just about to be half time. And he stood there and I just thought, he's going to do a top bends. And he smashed it into the top bends. It dipped in everything, a proper knuckleball. And he just stood and he put his arms out like <laughs> Ibrahimovic, you know what I mean? He just stood there, you know, like Norton, as if to say, yeah, yeah, here we are. Here we are. They were going to lose the match 5-3, but never mind. The fact, is, <laughs> the fact that he just, there he was, Captain Fantastic for his team. He was he was putting out fires all over that midfield. Uh, I'm so proud of him. I love watching him play football. It breaks my heart and it nearly gives me a heart attack watching him. That's true. But I love watching him. He puts, a, he, he puts a shift in, you know. Can we ask you for your favourite piece of uh, memorabilia or memento? Well, I'd say they're autographs. You know, um, there would definitely be autographs. And I remember getting George Best's autograph when I was a, um, a cycle uh, career in London. I was bike messenger and cycling through um, Barclay Square. And at the back of Barclay Square, um, there's a, a little sort of shopping, little shopping arcade, a little strip of shops at the back. And there was George Best. And I can't remember oh, no. the name of his girlfriend at the time. And I just, it was Best. Yeah. I just went over and, you know, that thing you don't know whether to call him George or Mr. Best no. or what. You know what I, mean? and I, I was literally reduced to that. And I went, oh, oh, George, George, um, from, from Northern Ireland, big, like massive Man United fan. And he just turned to me and he was just so kind. He just went, ah, oh, not a bother, not a bother. She said, have you got a piece of paper? And he got a, I got a, ripped out my, my, my notebook that you take your jobs down on. And he wrote it, and he said, could you make one out to my son Dylan as well? And he certainly says, good name after Bob. And I went, yeah, and he signed it to Dylan. And he's a beautiful, beautiful calligraphy. He was a gorgeous hat. You could just tell that, you know, as a footballer, as a young boy in a boarding house in Manchester, he had worked on his, his signature. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because it was gorgeous. And then the next one was Cantona. I got Cantona at, um, I was one of the judges at the Dean Art Film Festival. In Very famous France. film festival, yes. Yeah, and it was one of the judges, and Cantona was the head of the panel. Wow. And I had to spend four days with Cantona. No. Deliberate. <laughs> wow. I, I'll never forget. I've told this story recently. I'm sitting, and we're staying in this massive hotel. You Have you been to Dinar, Johnny? Yes, I have. Well, that, the, the main hotel, if you yeah. go in for breakfast in the morning, it's all big chandeliers. It's like yeah. the Ritz. Yeah. And I'm sitting there on my own at this table, having a bit of breakfast and I look up and like two tables away is Cantona and he's sitting with his missus and they've had their breakfast and he's just having his his espresso and I thought I'm going to have to there he is I'm going to have to oh my god I'm going to have to leave me alone man leave me alone no I'm going to have to I'm going to have to you know we have that split personality we literally are having a conversation with yourself come on come on son come on son no leave me alone leave me alone I have to go over and then my head went you can justifiably go over there because you're on the panel of judges and you yes. just filmed last yes, night. Yes, true. So you go over and introduce yourself. And I went, yes. So I over and introduced myself. <laughs> Tapped him on the shoulder and went, hi, Eric. Uh, sorry to disturb you. Michael Smiley, we're on the panel together. And he went, oh, hello. And I went down. And I was just about to ask him about the film. And then I just snapped and grabbed him by the shoulder. I just went, look, listen, Eric. I'm a massive Man United supporter. I'll, I'll cover Northern Ireland. And if I don't get an autograph and three photographs, they're just going to, they're just, Eric, they're, they're shoot me in the knees, for God's sake, Eric. You've got to do it for me. He's just laughing. When you turned up, when you turned up and you turned your collar up and stood in the middle of the pitch, we knew it was going to be okay, Eric. There's only three people that saved United. And it was, it was Ferguson and it was you and it was George Best. Eric signed a piece of paper. And it, okay, Michael, okay. Signed a piece of paper. Bless him. Bless him. And I've got a photograph of me and him. It's a photograph. I got my photograph with him. And I'm looking at the camera and he's got his arm around me looking at the camera. And my missus says, you have never looked at me the way you're looking at him. 
I, you look at this photograph, and I swear to God, I've got this glistening sort of little boy, maybe slightly fey looking at <laughs> gentle You're, Wendy in, you're love. in love, mate. You're in love. Yeah. Did, was, um, did he yeah. carry himself? Because obviously we get to see him on the field of play, and we know just kind of like, you know, he had that sense of pomp and circumstance about him, and we've seen him act. But was he that kind of guy, you know, when he's in the flesh? Yeah. The chest was out constantly. Really? Um, he was, I think he's a bit like best in the sense of, he, or famous footballers are, that they're, they've got a sense of where they are yeah. in the hearts of the people around them. And they're looking to see who's, who's friend or foe. But he carried himself in such a large way that you would have to be large to step up to him. Right. You know? Do you know what's so a funny thing? Not- I totally get what you're saying. I, I was in the NME Awards once and there was a rumour that Paul McCartney was coming to this, to this awards. And I remember saying to, to my partner, Vicky, I didn't think he'd come. And she was like, I don't know. Anyway, Paul McCartney comes in and it's exactly as Michael's saying. Paul McCartney, you know, is, is a Beatle and he's, and he's, you know, he's one of the most famous men of the 20th century, but he's a bit thumbs up and it's macker. But when he walked through the place, the way he carried himself... Sort of a glide, yeah, oh, And he looked yeah. about six foot ten. And you even, yeah. you, you just thought, you'd have to have, you would not c- confront this man. In fact, the opposite happens. You right. kind of go, yeah. That's, he, it was a man very aware of what he was right. amongst human beings. That's Do you know what I mean? That. He was yeah. a Beatle, you know. It's a real in- interesting yeah. thing you say, Michael. Yeah, it's quite animalistic as well, that sort of yeah. thing. You know, if you're confronted by a bear, make yourself bigger or whatever. There's just something about walking into a room. And, you know, I come from an environment, you know, the, the jungle of the housing estate. And, you know, the, all those little secret messages that you're putting out to people around you. You know, you wear the same clothes as them, so you become invisible. Don't wear four stripes on your trainers, wear three. Yes. You know what I mean? Wear Wranglers, don't wear Lois. You yeah. know what I mean? Well, if you're going to wear Levi's, you better have to step up for that. Because that's <laughs> yeah. Got to own those Levi's, yeah. All, so the, all of that stuff, you know what I mean? Going away to London and coming back with Levi's and Gabici and stuff like that, you know you were going to be rolling around the streets by the end of the night. like <laughs> <laughs> man in his London clothes over here, yeah. you know what I mean? So, Bringing yes, his fancy London be, ways, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so there had to be a way to carry yourself and it has to be a way of not too big, not too small, just look like I know who I am. And I do it. I know I do it. My missus just laughs at me. If I put a crombie on, she says, look at this, stay to you. Next minute, both. I'm in. I'm Ray Winston, I'm Mary Canton, I'm walking down the street. <laughs> <laughs> so you know? true. know <laughs> exactly what a, you mean, a, yeah. Put a tootle scarf on me and a pair of loafers, man, and I'll just I'll go out killing for you. <laughs> I want to talk to you about that actually because you're you're a man with a a very uh, stylish sort of way of dressing, tutorial style. You were, you grew up a rude boy, didn't you? And you love your music, Michael, don't you? Yeah, yeah. Well, I was I went through a lot of phases. You know, you know when like when I was a kid, I was a big status quo fan and stuff like that. You know, and but my um, my epiphany, you know, and this is ir- ironic talking to you, Johnny, mm. is that my epiphany, my summer was the summer of 79, I was 16, and I had exactly the same experience as Thomas Turgus's character in This Is England. Yeah. You know, you know that, that brilliant film. I remember seeing that film going, that was me. That was exactly me. I went to, worked in a f- biscuit factory in Yorkshire in Batley, Fox's Biscuits, and I fell in with this group of people who were like scooter boys mm. and girls and they took me under their wing and we would go up on a Saturday to Leeds and they would take me around various uh, vintage shops and stuff. And I came away with stay press trousers and a Fred Perry and all of that and a, and a little buzz cut, you know, a little number uh, number four haircut and walked into, they snooked me into the nightclubs. I remember getting into the Turk's Head in Dewsbury and walking through the door and the DJ had faded out uh, Punky Reggae Party by Bob Marley and was fading in uh, rank and full stop by the beat, and on that crossover with that rim shot of um, that the opening bars of um, rank and full stop, my life changed, mm. and my life changed. I heard loud in a nightclub ska music, and I rum dum 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 dum, and I just threw myself into the dance floor, just threw myself, in, and that was it. And I was always a good dancer, have because my dad didn't dance, my ma did. My ma would get me up to dance with her, and we would clear dance floors when I was a kid <laughs> together people would stop and just stand and clap wow. <laughs> and together and just have the and so I knew I could dance so then when I, I find the music that I could dance to which was ska and I find a group of people that was supporting me and let me fly my kite and wear nice clothes and of course then I had the summer was over I had to come back to Northern Ireland tried the same tricks in my uh, lo- local youth club disco and got the shit kicked out of me <laughs> <laughs> oh well it was the start of something 
The best yeah. DJs are also dancers, Michael. And of course, you, I mean, you went on to DJ, didn't you, as well? And you, you know, famously in the, like, the Acid House scene, you've got to be able to move to appreciate the records you're playing, I think. Of course, of course, you have to. Yeah. And, you know, I loved to dance. And, I, you know, I was the goofy looking, big nosed, big eared kid. And then I would hit the dance floor and then I would be like, yeah, but can you do this? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I was, and I was a big one for, I didn't like to dance with people. I just used to close my eyes and go for it because yeah. the music just transformed me. It took me away and it, and it just changed everything, you know, and especially like the Acid House days, I had my own little club underneath the British Telecom Tower um, up in uh, Fitzroy Street back in the um, late 80s, early 90s when I was a bike messenger. And we, you know, and then we'd go out clubbing afterwards. And, you know, it was just changed me completely. You know, I was fit as a butcher's dog because I was riding a bicycle all week. And then I'd go out dancing, you know, and I would go out on a Thursday night, which had a bit of a scan night, maybe go to the San Moritz Club. And they would have their night down there. And then Friday, you know, it was a big night. Saturday was a big night. Sunday, there was a one up at um, Canalot Studios up in, um, up in West London where they would play like Funky House, but also with bongo players and congas and uh, sax players. I remember that night on the canal, yeah. Yeah, and we would go there, and I would just, just, I had the dance floor to myself at times, you know what I mean? Just like buzzing, you know, just buzzing, you know, and and I just loved it, you know. Dancing to me is, it's... Yeah, it's so important. I see, it seems that you just mentioned being as fit as a dog because you you, know, you were cycled everywhere and uh, you know you had a, a, a great career as a comedian. But it was as tyres that you became almost famous for the first time in in the CD yeah. space. How, tell us how that came about. I used to be a bike messenger and I used to be a, a DJ and a big raver and and perfect really. It's like typecasting, <laughs> isn't it? <laughs> well, it was, that's actually the part was written for me, but it was written by me for me because Simon and. and I lived together with Simon and Nick and I lived together in Kentish Town at that time. And it was a bit of an open house for comedians and actors and stuff, you know. So we'd see a lot of Julia Davis and uh, uh, Jessica, Jessica Hines, which used to be Jessica Stevenson and people like that. And Greg Fleet and people like that from Australia would pass through. So it was a a great little sort of... um, Lots of ideas, you know, it was just people bouncing ideas around the place all the time. So when they got um, commissioned to write Spaced, of course, they're writing characters. You know, you have to come up with characters for a, for a sitcom. And, you know, they wrote around me and then offered me the part. And I think it was just, I think my character, my personality and my, my history at that time was just too provocative. You know, it was too, <laughs> it's like, we can't ignore him, you know. So, uh, and that was my sort of, that was my big break, really. You know, it was, a, there's lots of God moments in my life. There's lots of moments in my life that I think, my God, how did this happen? And they're all beautiful mistakes. You know, I'm here because of beautiful mistakes and, and other people's vision for me, you know, other people seeing in me what I didn't see in myself, you know. And that's a great thing about a city like London. That's what you, why you leave your small town and go to your city. It's for opportunities, but it's to meet other people with different uh, points of view. And view and different ideas, and then you collaborate, you know. So, space is a um, is a product of that, really, you know. Yeah, beautiful, great series. Michael, can we ask you for your your favourite player now? Your current favourite Manchester United player? Well, um, Lord Rashford, you know. Oh, um, Sir Rashford beyond the MVP. field of play, this this kid is an yeah. amazing man, isn't yeah. he? Yeah, I just hope he can replicate it on the pitch. You know what I mean? He's doing great. He's doing great works for the kids and all that, starving kids and all that malarkey. You know what I mean? But what's he going to do on the pitch? Right, really? <laughs> <laughs> I see that sometimes on social media. You know, oh, you're dearie, fantasy, you're, yeah, yeah, you're right. Man, you're too busy with the kids and that. Get on the football, yeah. you want to? Yeah, do you know what I mean? Like his, his form's dipped, but he's saving the world. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Would you have Superman it's a, as a whole? It's a balancing act, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Where, where would you play Batman in that formation? <laughs> so um, I would. Rashford, I love him. I think he's a great. I think he's a great lad. Um, and I, I'm excited about Greenwood. Every time Greenwood yes. comes on the pitch, I get excited about him. This is the best eleven podcast from Talk Sport. 5 years younger. In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking 5 years younger at 6 months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. 
For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science, with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus... Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. This is the Best 11 Podcast with Johnny Owen and Mark Webster. Have you got a favorite ever kit, Michael? Oh, man. Well, it goes to the... The, of course, it's the away kit of 75, 76. We just got promoted. It's that white one with the, yeah. the black stripes, stripes down the side. I know it. Shorts and the, um, and the red and white trim and the black socks with the red and white trim. And Oh, I just thought we looked nuts. I've still got one of those. Have you? That's a Lumakari kit as well, that, yes. isn't it? As you yeah. said. Yeah, and a Martin Buchan. Martin Buchan, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's Gordon, a, that, Gordon McQueen had gone there by that's then. That's an absolute less yeah. is more little gem, that one. Stuart Pearson yeah. 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 up front, the green offs, you know, that, that, that yeah. was the kit, wasn't it? Yeah, Stuart Pearson, yeah. Pancho. And then we had the, we had Gordon Hill on one wing That's and Stephen Koppel on the other wing. Yeah. God, we were flying in those days. Yeah. And the, Jimmy Greenoff was so cheeky. And McCarry was there. And, you know, and we, of course, we had Sammy Mack, Sammy McElroy. Yeah. Uh, I remember we, we had two FA Cup finals. And Gordon Hill was just, you know, the wee cheeky cockley magician, you yes. know what I mean? From, came from Millwall. Millwall, and exactly. What yeah, a signing. He was, like, he, was, he was going to do it. He was going to do it. And then, of course, his, his bottle went on the uh, both FA Cup finals and he got taken off. Yeah. And what did we replace him with? Because you only like one uh, uh, sub in those days. Dave McCreary. Dave McCreary, yes. Dave yeah. McCreary. And do you know we don't got... be Belfast bloke. He was on 40 fags a day and a couple of cans of <laughs> yeah. But a lot of people forget they stopped yeah. the great, what a lot of Liverpool fans say is their greatest ever team of uh, 77 went doing the, the, the treble then. Mm. They would have been the first team to have done the, the, the treble. They won the European Cup that year, the title, but United beat them 2-1 at Wembley, didn't they? Yeah, that was a great game. Yeah. God, that was a great game. Yeah, those, we were... We were a good cup team That's in right. those days. That was know, the cliche, uh, wasn't it? They could, they could win the cup, they couldn't win the title, wasn't it? A bit soft to yeah. win the title. That was it, wasn't it? Yeah, and, I'm just, and it was just, I think our problems were, you know, always that, you know, the shadow of Busby. Yeah. Like yeah. just the shadow of Ferguson is yeah. today, you know, and you're bringing in different personalities like Tommy Doherty. You know, uh, Tommy Doherty was our Mourinho, you know? Yeah. He was, yeah. He, he came in and he was, you know, he was going to change things up. You know, we got a, he went down, uh, we got relegated with him and then he came up and we mm-hmm. won the FA Cup and you know what I mean? It was just, you know, he was something else, Tommy Doherty, because he had, he had the, the gift of the guard. Yeah, but he couldn't, him. People he forget couldn't, there's more turbulent years in Manchester United supporting than there is the steady calm of winning everything. Have you got another team that uh, you've got a soft spot for? My God. Yeah, Palace. Have you? Really? Palace, yeah, pray tell. Yeah, I love well, I'm South London um, and so they're you know they're our nearest team, um, and we could we could get you can get sort of uh, membership tickets, so you could pay like thirty quid a year, fifty quid a year, whatever, and then you would get access to tickets. You know, um, so it started when when Patrick, my youngest lad, uh, we started bringing him to football, live football, because I wanted to get him that feel. Yeah, of course. Um, and Selhurst Park is a great pitch. You know, it's a great stadium. It's a proper you know old stadium, and. I remember the first time we brought him in, 
uh, just standing there and he's just soaking it all up. You know what I mean? I'd taken him to Old Trafford before, mm. but this was like a you were closer to the pitch. It felt real. True. It felt True. a bit more analog, you know. Mm. And he was there, and then the other side of the pitch, all you was say that you love me, <laughs> and, some, and then the other side of the pitch, say you love me. You'll always be true, always be true, and I'm feeling. Glenn, oh, 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 I joined in with the oh, palace song. Oh, you sucked oh, me in there, Smiley. That was cheating. <laughs> and the whole stadium going up, and I looked at him, and his wee face lit up, and I was so excited. And it was just like that moment where the two of us looked at each other, go, yeah, get it, Dad. He gets it now, yeah, you know. That's great. And then to bring the eagle out that flies up the pitch. And then every time Palace score, the, oh, the whole stadium turns to the away end and starts flying, their, does the wings, like the arms out as if they're flying at the, at the, the, the away supporters. I just, it, I loved it. And I've always, you know, I've had a sneaking sort of, looking back, I've had a sneaking sort of admiration for, Pal uh, for Palace for their choices of kit over the years. I've always loved that sort of diagonal stripe that they used like to have. Sash. Yeah, the yes. sash. Yeah. And they've, always had, they've always had the colours just right. They've always had that sort of slightly Barcelona look about them, which I really like. Um, and they've always had some great players, you know. Have. They've had some great and players. And they're a nice thing to it's watch also, now. It's also yeah. John Pinar's favourite kit. That's, that's quite an Alan Partridge. Also, Jim, <laughs> John Pinar's, interestingly enough, John Pinar's <laughs> favourite kit. Anyway, Mike, are we gonna, we're going to go through your best Man United 11 now. So um, if you can okay. start with your goalkeeper, please. Oh, De Gea. Okay. Right. I'll go with De Gea. So, you know, I'm assuming, right, from this conversation, they're all on top form. Okay. Right? They're not having a bad season. Right. Okay. Because if we're going to, if I can pick all the players that I want, they're all at the top of the game. Okay. So De Gea. Okay. Because I think De Gea is in his pump. Um, yeah. Five yeah. years ago, the five years ago De Gea. Then. <laughs> <laughs> just before he got, just after he got that, before he got the contract. Yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah before he got three hundred fifty thousand pound a week. Yeah, yeah. Um, so De Gea to me was like because you know I think he's Van der Sar and Schmeichel mixed the best parts of them you know he's got that sort of cat-like quality to get his hand where nobody else could get it but he's got speed about him and you know he just he, he used to have a good reading of the game so I, De Gea I really like that's fine yeah and uh, right back Wambasaka. Okay. I just think he's, uh, he's so exciting Palace connection uh, working nicely for you there yeah I think he's a really exciting player and I, you know when I look at the right backs that we've had you know I remember remember when Arthur Alberston came in yes and he was going to be the weak link of that FA Cup final, and he was just the man of the match. Mm. Um, Gary Neville got, as well, not Gary in there. Gary Neville, but you know they're all they're all good, solid right wingers, yeah. right backs. You know what I mean? But they're not setting the world on fire. They're not blowing. A, they're not blowing a partner in your hair. Mm. But Juan Bissaka, <laughs> unbelievable. That's, that's great. So your centre halves. Centre half. Uh, well, centre halves for me is Yapstan. Yes. Yep, Yapstan was a big Dutch man, um, and and Vidic. <laughs> I, want, Finish, I, yeah. I don't want I don't want fancy Dan's trying to dribble out of the 18 yard box I want two robo cops looking at you going you think you're going to come here oh, yes. no, no, which no, is no, why no. I should be left Rio Ferdinand now yeah well yeah. you know Yapstam yeah. is the only player Ferguson regrets selling in his he started he? terribly he had a terrible first season for mm. United he, you know this idea of footballers you know being judged too quickly he was a, almost a perfect example yeah he looked yeah. so lost in English football for a year uh, also with Vid so did Vidic Vidic yeah, Vidic. true good back. point but the idea what I'm in this this lineup, what I'm imagining is uh, uh, like a one of their centre forwards breaking forward and looking up, and Stam and Village is looking at him. Yes, you know, where are you going? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> like two bouncers, uh, classic bouncers. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. almost looking. He would disdain. Where do you think you're going, son? Ma one jackets on. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. just holding. <laughs> Holding in right by the ear and just yeah. marching them. Do you know what? If those two were stood outside your local nightclub, you wouldn't mess around, no, you wouldn't, would, would you? You, you, know? just, you just keep your head down and get just in as quickly as you can. Just have their arms folded the entire <laughs> game. Like, I would let Ian ride in because he would just, he's a tiger. And he's a yeah, tiger. true. But just give up. Go on, Sam, but just behave you in this week, OK? <laughs> yeah. So who's your, who's your left back? Uh, Erwin. Do you know what's really funny? Can I just stop you there? He's in every single United fans great. No one team. blinks. Do Nobody they? blinks. They always just Dennis go, Irwin. Dennis Irwin. Yeah. Without, without even missing. And I say an underestimated footballer, therefore, because he always ranks with the Manchester United fans as being the best. The best ever. It's yeah. amazing, isn't yeah. it? Well, he's you know, on, on I was talking about wouldn't blow a partner in your heart for Gary Neville and people like that. But on the left wing, there was some. Irwin just looked really normal and really like he should be, you know. He should be a door-to-door -door salesman or something. He, you know, never let you down. Crosses always in. Great at tackling. Always came back. Took her free kicks. Took her penalties. 
you know, there's a, a little one-touch sequence where he scores uh, for United years ago. I just, you know... Um, he had everything in there looking back. He was quick yeah, as well. He, he, couldn't, was, he couldn't go past him. He could, he could yeah, keep up and he was, everything. And what we want is, you know, what I want in there is an honourable servant, yeah. you know, um, and he was that. I met him. I met him one time with... Uh, we went to Old Trafford and I was doing some work with Betfair and they got me tickets and got us these sort of VIP tickets and I brought my... Or Patrick with me, and you go up in the lift and you go out, and it's like all you know, silver service, and then you get the chance to go and hold the cup. And it was it was the one year that we didn't win the we didn't win the the, the league, so we got the whole sort of the league cup or something. And it was me uh, and Patrick. Patrick was like about three or four at the time, but it was Dennis Irwin and it was Andy Cole and it was Andy Ritchie, yes, and it was yes. and. Um, they were saying, do you recognise these guys now? And I know Andy Ritchie. Got to remember when he yeah. came to us. You played for them, didn't you? And he was like, yeah, 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 yeah. And he says, so and you must know, uh, you must know this guy then. Point to Den- uh, Dennis Irwin. And I was like, ah, of course I know that langer. <laughs> cork boy. It's a good cork term, cork folks. Boy. And I, I called him a, I called him a langer, and he didn't take the joke. Oh, he not? No, he didn't take the joke. Oh, I could not? see him just like going, you cheeky fucker. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, I kept at him. I think, you know, you I'll, can push through him. now, haven't you? Yeah, I've got to try and get a, get him to crack a smile, but he just shut down. Like, he's he? just like he's having none of it. So I went to Andy, went to Andrew Cole and sucked up to him. <laughs> <laughs> but it's not a particularly disparaging term, you know. It's just it's more yeah, of a but, kind he's, of... but he's paying him back now. He's putting him in his eleven. Yeah, so yeah, this yeah, is this yeah. Yeah. Michael's... This, this hopefully will, will make up for it. Exactly. exactly. And he'll hear this and he'll be all right. I think what it's what I think it's a reflection of and which is why he's in the team as well, is he's old school, you yeah, know, yeah. and he's I'm being too familiar with him. Yeah, yeah. I have, you know, I need to show a bit of respect and then we'll have a bit of banter. And look, there's layers that you have to go through yes. as a young yes, protocol. Yes. Quite there's, right. there's a great story of um, a mutual friend of all, Terry Rawlins, when he, he yeah. met George Harrison yeah. in the late 90s. He's out of said, hospital now. He's yeah. out of hospital. Well done, Terry. He's out yeah. of hospital. Well done, Terry. Send you lots of love, mate. Send you love, mate. But there's a great story Tori tell, uh, Terry tells, which is very funny, where he met George Harrison, finally got to meet him. And he said, I was doing so well. And he said, he just walked in front of me when we were going upstairs in the pub and I sniffed the top of his head. I couldn't help myself. <laughs> but he said he, he's a beetle, and he said he just looked. He looked around, and his face, his expression said, "Oh, and you were doing so well." He Terry. Said, you just <laughs> sniffed my hair, and he said, "But you just sniffed my hair." And he said that was it. He said he kind of slowly shut down, and he said, "You know, well, I I'd, knew I was never going to see I'd him again." I see that as a line but, being crossed. But I was myself, a bit like, I got it. I was like, "Of course you're going to sniff no, the top you, of beetle's head." He's no, a beetle. Perhaps we should talk about this later, <laughs> Michael. Where are you on you this one? You don't sniff people's hair because you like them. It's not the jungle. I think I need to get a sniff off you. To see what you're like, you know what I mean. Yes, I exactly. Yeah. I, I want to know what sort of what sort of a, a, a high classy are you. Yeah. So I'm so I'm the weird one in this conversation by not enjoying no, but, sniffing celebrities' hair. Okay, fair enough. I'll, I'll take that. Can, but I would be a, that would be a question. Sort of my mom, my sister would ask me, "What did the smell like?" Did yes, smell? exactly. That's that's what I'm thinking. Is do it? you smell rich? Does he smell rich? Yeah. Strawberries. Yeah. I, I'm going to imagine strawberries. But that's, that's probably not. Yes. Are you going um, a midfield four, Michael? What would it be? Uh, I'm going to go midfield three. I'm Ooh, going okay. three. Okay, sir. Four three three. I love it. Very modern. So I'm going um, Keane. Yeah. Yes. It's going to be more the hold than midfield. Don't call him a langer to his face. <laughs> <laughs> Keane, I love Keane. Yeah. He was another one when he turned up because it, what I loved about that was that spelt that it, it sent out the message that we've got a new boy in town. Do you know what I mean? Mm. I've, I've worked, was, I worked at Roy Keane at Forest for a little bit and because um, obviously I was looking after the communication and media side of it. I have to say, this is on, this is only my experience, he was a joy to work with. No yeah. bother. Mm. Brilliant yeah. with everybody. Loved, he loved training. Great when he got him telling stories. A really funny storyteller. Loves talking about football but he was no no problem whatsoever. I asked him to do something. Yep, yeah, no worries. I think sometimes, you know, obviously the image that... I that, believe he, yeah, he plays he's up kind of playing bit. to up yeah, to his Yeah, and that's fine. That's fine. Is, that's what yeah. he does. But I, I, all I can do is you can speak as you find. I found him terrific to work with. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I love I love Kane and I can see exactly where he's coming from and I can see that, you know, again, he's that working class lad but he's also, he's a cork. Cork boys are different 
from the rest of Ireland. The rebel you know, county. Which it sees itself as its own principality, really. It does, doesn't <laughs> it? Uh, if they could get a big chisel and chisel themselves away from Ireland, I think they well, would take it. My grandmother was, well, we my grandmother's division. family were from Cork and she was very much Cork first and Irish second. Okay, and me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, and I love that. But also he's a working class lad too. He's True. A, he's, from, he's from the estate. He's out of the flats, as the Cockneys like to say. Yeah. You know, and, you know, so again, you've got that, I know how he's playing it. So if you, I would know how to talk to him, and we could have a great time together. I wouldn't be disrespectful, and I wouldn't be too fawning either. Yeah, you know? yeah. So who does Keane free up then in your midfield? What are the other two? Um, Scholes and Cantona. Oh, oh okay, <laughs> that, yeah, that's okay. Fair enough. Well, that's a pretty decent that's midfield. All right. That's all right. Yeah, that's all right. Yeah. <laughs> I take that three. I mean, Paul Scholes so got, is is is, is yeah. And Cantona changed Manchester United, as you said. Oh man, what a player! But Paul Scholes, what a player! You know, Keane can do the tackling. Please, Paul, don't tackle. That was one thing. Oh, it, oh, so my, my father used to shout to the telly, don't, son, don't. <laughs> don't, don't it was too late. <laughs> it was always too late. And fact. also, in, I think now, he'd have been sent off so many times. I, he was forgiven so much because almost the referee was like the crowd going, he, he just he, he does, he, he he doesn't mean know. it. He, he doesn't does, mean no, it. It's not and he'd do that little thing after. He'd always put his hands up and go, thing. sorry. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. So let King do that. Let King go through you yeah, for a short Yeah, part. he'll cover that but, for uh, you. But schools pinging the ball about and just you know, and then Canton are playing in the hole. I would have Canton are playing Oof. in the hole, nice. um, just gorgeous. And you know, you don't need much of a defensive midfielder there because you could stand in village behind them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. True, you know? it's a nice shape so far, Mike. So yeah, if for... you could get if you could get through that Krypton factor of Canton, Keane, and schools, and then look up and stand in village is there. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. <laughs> It's like, <laughs> it's like getting, getting through the outer keep of some giant castle. And then you cracked it. And then you cracked it. And then you got De Gea, young De Gea in, in yes. goals as well. Very, very impressive. Yeah. Yeah. Sackler, just the spider just out there and, and, uh, and Irwin all over you like a bad suit, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I guess you've got, you got some goals in your front three, have you? Well, I, I'd like to think so. I'd like to think so. I would like to think that um, Ronaldo, Ibrahimovic and Best will get you a couple okay, of goals. Again. <laughs> Fair enough. You might argue. It's like a mic drop again, isn't it? Do you know what I mean? I mean, I mean those three in their prime as well. And what I like about the uh, Ibrahimovic with United fans, it's a bit like when Larson went there for just half a season. And even though Ibrahimovic went there late in, in his yeah. career, United fans loved him and loved well, Larson. He, he didn't made they? an impact. They felt didn't like he? United players, didn't yes, they? Yes, they did. Yeah, yeah, agreed. And also, you did, like, I was at Palace um, when we played Palace uh, in the away end, and he scored. But it was that one where Matic scores the volley at the last minute. Yes. That goal. And the, what he had was a presence, a Cantona esque presence on the pitch. So he was a he was a link back to Cantona for me in the sense of he stood in the middle of the pitch going, well we're united and we're we're going to take you on now, yeah. so there's no excuses and I think that's the problem we have today with the United eleven of today is there's nobody standing in the middle of the pitch demanding, um, you know a call to arms you know yeah. there's no braveheart in the middle of the pitch you know, and yeah. uh, so Ibrahimovic is that. Best. Is I want to talk to. I want to, we just we, we can end this. I just want to talk to you a little bit about Best, Michael, because obviously we, you talked brilliantly earlier on about what he meant. He was a boy growing up and his later life problems because he was so iconic and he was the first real mm. football pop star of of, yeah. of the late twentieth century. But to talk to you a little bit about him in a football sense, I mean, I have been lucky enough now through this job and others to talk to footballers who played against him. You know, the great defenders like Frank Clark, for argument's sake, won the European yeah. Cup with. And they all say, without missing a, missing a beat, every single time I say to them, who's the best player you played against? And they all say, Georgie Best. They don't, even, yeah. they don't even miss a beat. And I think people forget now that between those years of 63 into sort of 1969, really, after he won the European Cup, he was the best player in the, in, in the world, as Pele said, yeah. during that time, wasn't he? Yeah, well, also, listen, let's look at what's on, going on around him. If you look at the difference, like if you look at 1966 World Cup final and mm-hmm. the 1970 World Cup final, it's that's only four years. Yeah. But the 1970 World Cup final looks like modern football. Yeah. 1966 doesn't look like modern football. Mm. It's you're, you're seeing guys with rattles going, "Play up football!" Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's, you know, and it's you know, and they're, they're kicking big heavy balls, and the the pitch is ground. You know, 
we, when we were kids, we were watching Match of the Day. The pitch was was brown. It wasn't it wasn't green. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so Best was playing in the worst conditions against these big clumpers. Where if they took you out from the knees down, mm-hmm. you would you would get a free kick. You wouldn't get a red card. You know. So and they were always at him. They're always like a Chopper Harris one when he breaks through and Chopper Harris has two bites at him. Oh, yeah. and he rides it, doesn't he? And he still keeps rides. going. Unbelievable. Oh, he sort of buckles. Yeah. He's, like, he's like a car that loses it. The, the back wheel goes a bit, you know? Yeah. And the thing with Best was that because he played with both feet, you know, he he, he talked about playing with a, a tennis ball and playing with his weaker foot as a kid yes. against the wall in Belfast and playing and playing like and Pelly did it with rolled up socks. So he, he constantly worked on his on his weak foot. He constantly worked on. So what that gave him was a balance where he could ride. You see him ride and tackles, mm-hmm. and it's because his center of gravity was so good. Mm-hmm. You know. So when he was playing, not only could he play with both feet, he had great vision. He was a bit tight. He wouldn't pass as much. (laughs) (laughs) Dennis Lowe does that great story where he goes, he beats one man, beats two. He's going, bestie, bestie, three. And he kicks in. He goes, oh, you're lucky you got away with this time, son. (laughs) By scoring at the end of it, you know. But I do, I always think that, I always like to try and bring a conversation with Best back to him as a footballer in that mid-60s period when United won a title, an FA Cup, and then a European Cup. And he was 22, 23 doing it all. He's in a handful of, you know, know, when you talk about Ronaldo, they talk about Maradona. You talk about Pele. He's in. The, he's in that conversation. He's in the Absolutely. same breath. Yeah. But of course, he just didn't quite necessarily have that stage on a national level to kind of. Well, I think you know it's impossible to. You know, it's that comparison thing. You used to always do that comparison thing, Marciano and Ali and, yeah, and yeah. Tyson and all that stuff. But you know, you know the pitch, the ball, you know the opposition, yeah, good point. all of those things, you know, would. You know, if you were to take Ronaldo back to 66, or if you were to take Maradona back to 66, would they do as well as, as Best yeah, and Pelle? Because if you move if you move Best and Pelle forward, of course they're going to. Yeah. They would have a field day, yeah. you know? Nobody would get anywhere near them, you know? Yeah. And But his his style, it was a bit like in the sense of the Beatles, that, you know, it was so modern. His style in the British game was so modern. I watched the um, European Cup final. It was on, like, ITV3 or 4 a couple of weeks ago, live. You know, you could watch the whole thing. Yes. Best was just, there was nobody like him on the pitch. You know, poor Eusebio just had Nobby Styles kicking the shit out of him. <laughs> and just, I like, literally, I don't know how Nobby Styles stayed on the pitch yeah. watching that match. It was unbelievable. You know what I mean? Paul Scholes uh, modelled his entire defensive game on. <laughs> yeah, Nobby, Nobby Styles. <laughs> <laughs> Michael, it's uh, it's wonderful to be talking to you, and it's great to sort of end the conversation on on a, on a fellow countryman of yours, Georgie Best. Thanks so much for joining Cheers, us, mate. mate. It's been an absolute pleasure. Yeah, God bless, lads. God Thanks, bless. Michael. Cheers now. The Best Eleven Podcast from Talk Sport. Thank you for listening to the Best Eleven Podcast. Don't forget there are new episodes out every Monday and Thursday. So join us for more football memories and another Best Eleven very soon. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.